So I've been looking forward to this for uh, a few weeks. Um, actually, I, I knew we were going to do this toward the end of January, like three months ago, so I've been, I've been excited about this. Um, you guys who've been around for a while know, uh, probably recognize what we're doing here, which is uh, what uh, we're calling a wisdom panel, um, which is uh, what I think, one of the strengths of our church, I think, is in the fact that we've got... Um, Many in our church who have been down the road following Jesus for many, many years and have a, like a storehouse of wisdom to share with us. Now, I can tell you every single one of these guys that I invited to be up here, every single one of them said pretty much the same thing, which is, I don't know how wise I am, but I'll show up. <laughs> um, they're very wise. I'll tell you that. Um, so um, we're just going to spend some time. Uh, I've got some questions um, to ask them to kind of hopefully mine some of that wisdom. Um, but I wanted to, to start uh, with just a couple of verses here. Um, Proverbs 12:15 says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel." I don't know if you've experienced this in your life, but I know for me, there have been times where I've been bullheaded and just charged through on something that I thought was the right way, and I had people around me, wise people who were going, ah, that's not the right way, and I found out, well, it wasn't the, the wise way, right? I was a fool in that moment. Um, there's something great to be gained from allowing other people to speak wisdom into our life. Uh, wisdom is not just knowledge, it's practical knowledge, right? It's, it's how to live life with the knowledge uh, you have. And when we're talking about biblical knowledge, we're talking about truth, right? How to live out truth in families, in, in relationships. Um, and so um, hopefully this morning uh, you're, you're open to, you're willing to um, allow these wise people to speak into your life and hear what they have to say. Um, let me pray for us, and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get rolling. Lord, um, just uh, so appreciate uh, the, the wisdom that you have put together in this body of believers, that uh, it's, I, we recognize it's completely done by you, uh, the wisdom that each one of these people have gained, they've gained because uh, of you and following you, um, that you are the source of all um, true wisdom. And, uh, and so we just glorify you. We, we worship you uh, this morning for, that, for the wisdom we're going to hear. Um, and, and I just pray that, um, that our time this morning would just be profitable as we um, listen to this wisdom, that we uh, take it and, and apply it to our own lives, um, and that in all of this, uh, you would be glorified because it's all of your work. I pray this all in your name. Amen. So I'm going to start with uh, the couple that, I think this is our fourth wisdom panel. I believe I've asked you guys every single time, right? And I finally got them. I finally drafted them in, uh, which is Cliff and Bev. So I'm going to start with Cliff. Cliff, uh, let's start with how many years have you guys been married? Do you know that number off the top of your head? It should be on. 61. 61 years. I think a little wisdom comes from that, right? Um, in, in your opinion, what, uh, what's important uh, for a man to live as a godly husband? What are some things that are important? Remember that to lead a family in a godly way is the most important thing, not the way I want them to go, but the way God would want them to go. 
and to constantly seek God's will for the family, not not what I dream, what my goals are. If you were counseling a young couple who newly married, um, if you can think back to when you were newly married and the things that you've learned since then, what, what advice would you give them? I would say to spend time every day reading the Word of God, praying together, and then make sure that you worship together in the church and talk about your family and what your goals are for them. And that the goal for a family is to have them walk with the Lord, not to be popular or to have a lot of money, but to, to learn to walk with, with Christ. Oh. All right, Bev, coming to you. Uh, what, in your opinion, uh, is important to being a God-honoring wife? Well, I, I think one, one thing is to um, be willing to, um, to be taught um, by your husband, not that he can't be also taught by you, um, but that we learn from one another. Um, one of the things that, that I learned um, from my husband is the value and the blessing of forgiveness uh, which I was not taught that in my childhood home at all um, but in our home we um, once an offense was was forgiven it was never mentioned again it wasn't brought up as something that they always did um, but it was it was gone, and that's the way the Lord forgives us. And so I think um, um, I could probably speak for an hour on different things, but I think I'll let it go at that. <laughs> good, good. That was great. All right, Lynn, coming your way. Um, I think you'd probably say that you didn't have the greatest upbringing. Would you agree with that? That's cool. <laughs> and, uh, and I think adoption is part of your story. Actually, no. No, uh, not adoption. There was, a, there was a short time in an orphanage. There were uh, foster care. There was uh, relatives. Okay, yeah. Have you seen God working through those less than ideal circumstances? Uh, it's actually amazing. When I was little, before I knew um, God, I felt a sense of being protected. Hmm. And it wasn't until I was five years old that I, I knew what his name was. Hmm. But always there. 
through my life, uh, uh, I can feel I can feel very close to that leadership. When my husband died, then I went to God and I said, well, <clears throat> I don't have somebody to lead and guide, so I guess it's you. Hmm. And so he has led and he has guided and kept me safe and strong. Wow. Awesome. All right, coming over to you guys. Mike, we'll start with you. Um, you and I have talked a number of times about how you've struggled with depression over the years. Um, based on your experience with it, what advice would you have to others who struggle with that same thing? I was forewarned a little bit that he was going to ask this. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't come up with a real easy way to answer it. took a long time before I realized that that's what I was struggling with. Uh, as I look back on my life, I realize it, it really kind of hit me at a pretty young age. And uh, things would hit me hard. I still remember sixth grade when Nancy Jones didn't invite me to her birthday party. <laughs> and that was one of the things in my life that was very hard for me. But it kind of all came to a head in college when <clears throat> uh, broke up with a girlfriend, sort of. And actually tried to take my life and came pretty close. But I finally asked God, I said, you know, if you're real, you really, you got to show me. And I can't sit here and tell you that he showed me this is exactly what he did. You know, I'm not like Habakkuk who God talks to him and explains things to him. Um, but somehow God showed me that he was real. And I tell this to my kids and my grandkids that one thing I will take to my grave is that God is real and that God loves you. And the things that happen in your life, though they may not seem good to us, are part of God's plan. And... Like my youngest son, Sam, they sometimes, sometimes his plan sucks. <laughs> and it's really hard for us to, to take what he dishes out. But, you know, God's ways are so much higher than ours. And you just have to understand that There is light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes that light's pretty far off, and sometimes we just have to take the days one at a time and, and know that, that God is there for us, that he does love us, and that he's looking out for us. And uh, you can take confidence in that. And 
Sometimes when you're depressed, that's what you need. You need something that you can take to the bank, that you can have confidence in. And I'm telling you, you can have confidence in the Lord. He is there for you. Thanks, Mike. That's really good. Kathy. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> How have the two of you guys... Uh, dealt with difficulties in your marriage over the years, and what advice would you give to younger couples? Um, you know, I think that today movies and TV gives such a false idea of what marriage is like all roses and happiness and but that's not really what marriage is like <laughs> there are difficulties disagreements uh, there are happenings that come up that just uh, make you cling together if you know the Lord, sometimes those happenings will spread people apart. But when you get married, you need to choose to love. Love is not a feeling. Love is not, oh, it's just everything's roses. Love is something you choose to do, whether it's in the middle of an argument, whether it's, uh, you know, whatever the situation, you choose to love that person. God made a covenant with Abraham. And it did not ever depend on what Abraham did. It depended on what God said he was going to do. And uh, he stuck with the Jewish people till today and forever. And so with marriage, you make a covenant not depending on what the other person does, says, but you make a covenant to love. Yeah. Good. That's enough. Yeah. That's good. All right, back over here. Cliff, you've uh, dealt with a number of health concerns over the years and uh, even more lately. How do you see God working through that? And uh, what, would you, what advice would you give someone who's maybe dealing with, struggling with health? Well, health, health, long-term health <coughs> concerns are something that you can't just take to the Lord and say, prove to me that you love me and make me well 
I had a long time growing up with a father who suffered from health issues. He's, his main one was from the time he was a young man in high school until he was Until he died, he suffered from migraine headaches, and yet he never missed work on account of it. He, he was self-employed, and he, he had a bee business, and he ran a ranch. We had 60 acres of land on the river, and he ran a dairy and various other things on that 60 acres, and he worked very hard. And he didn't spend his time with the family complaining about his headaches. Once in a while, he would mention them. And uh, so I learned that a man could love God and live life with pain. And without God handing him a, an easy life on a silver platter. Because when I became an adult, I had the same issue. For 50 years, I suffered from migraines almost every day. I taught school and I I missed very few days on account of that. And nobody ever found out, no doctor ever. I went to a number of different doctors and they, <clears throat> they weren't able to give me any help. And I just had to learn to deal with it. And uh, that God can give you the strength to, to serve him and deal with difficulties at the same time. And uh, raise a family and do the normal things. And I, I had learned that by watching my father and then I had to learn it again by experiencing it. And uh, then when my dad got to be about 50, he got Parkinson's disease. And he had that until he died. And I got Parkinson's disease too, but I got it later. And it's no fun to have it. But you don't get over it. And then definitely makes you feel bad. But I, I think I learned by watching my, my dad deal with it. And in all of his life, he still served the Lord. He still led his family in prayer, Bible reading, morning and night. And uh, there was no question in our family that the most important thing in life was serving the Lord. 
So my brother and sisters, brother and I and my sisters grew up knowing that the most important thing wasn't health, it wasn't money, it was serving the Lord. It was loving Christ, it was depending on him. It wasn't blaming God for things that weren't going exactly the way we wanted, it was rather asking God for strength to deal properly with them. And um, so I've tried to follow that learning throughout my raising of my own family. And teaching the, teaching the high schoolers and taught high schoolers all my adult life. Taught them here in church and then you know, it was my job at school. And always enjoyed it and thought that was God's calling that I was supposed to do. Bev, I'll ask you kind of the flip side of that. You've become a caretaker, really, in these later years, and both of your mom and of your husband. Um, what have you seen, seen God do through that? Well, I'm not um, naturally a patient person. I like things done quickly and just get her done. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, caregiving is not that way. Um, so the Lord has had to really um, do some work on me, and um, and I am constantly amazed at at how He has worked. Um, not that I have it all together at all, but um, one of the things that I now don't cry. Um, one of the things that I um, have wanted to do in caregiving my husband and my mother is to uh, make sure that they know that I love them. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> and in the scripture, it says that we're to render um, mercy with cheerfulness. And... Um, and it's not a normal thing to um, <laughs> to do some of the things that, that we do as a caregiver um, with cheerfulness. I mean, it's hard work mm -hmm. and, and not fun. And, uh, and so when, when I respond in a cheerful way, it's not fake. Um, and I'm just amazed that, that God would do that for me, that he would give me uh, that. It's amazing. Wow. All right, Lynn. <laughs> you got it. tears going. I'm, I'm starting to tear up. right close yeah. to the surface. <laughs> <laughs>
you've lived in Red Bluff for a lot of years. How, how long have you been in Red Bluff? We now? moved here in 1965. 65, yeah. I uh, still remember seeing <laughs> her walk in, walk up this walkway with uh, Clifford, um, not yet born, yes. but, but making, making his presence known. known. <laughs> <laughs> Well, have you seen the town change? Uh, have you, uh, I guess, how have you seen it change? And, and what do you think are the, some of the greatest maybe needs of our community? Well, through my husband's work, um, he used to tell me how, how the children had changed from the time he first came until he retired, and that was that when he first came, if there was a problem with a, with a kid, a high school kid we're talking about, um, he could call parents and that problem would be corrected. Mm. By the time he retired, if he called parents, they said, that's your responsibility, you deal with it. Mm. And so... Um, that was a sad thing. I thought that people would give over that responsibility for their children. Yeah. Um, this still is a town where I would want to raise a family, hmm. but it, it has the same problems that big cities have, only in smaller batches. So you still have to, to train and protect your children. Um, you have to let them know what's out there and that what they need to expect. Because sometimes I think as Christians, we tend to encapsulate our children in a little bubble of safety and don't let them know there's really bad things out there. And then when they get on their own, oh my, it's a huge shock. There's this, there's that, there's the other. And they don't know how to deal with it. So I think that... Um, living in this town or, or any town, you need to teach your children to deal with what is, not what you want it to be, not what God would have it to be, but what is, because there are many people out there who don't accept God, and so your children have to be aware of that, unfortunately. Um, I can't really give you an assessment of, of what I think of Red Bluff because our life has been involved in school and the church. And so uh, our friends were made in those circles and we didn't really get out in the community too much. But if I had to say what's needed, I would say support uh, is needed for homeless people, uh, which there are many more now than there used to be. Um, for children who need support from parents who do not support them and um, that we need to remember God's calling on our life that, that we need to be helpful when that need is expressed to us that's good alright Kathy <clears throat> You've had to watch your daughter and your son-in-law go through the loss of a child. What did God teach you through that experience? 
Well, God has promised us a life without tribulation. Um, it was heartbreaking. It was... It, it hurt so much. And mostly to see your children suffer. But I never asked God what are you doing? I never said I am so mad that you did this to us. Um, I did say what now, God? How do we get through this? I know that you're there. Please help us feel your presence. I pray for peace and comfort and um, mostly direction. Uh, your mind sometimes is just, I don't know what to do, God. This is, these are my children. I think of Dan as mine. <laughs> um, I'm supposed to protect them and take care of them. Uh, I'm supposed to be the one that says it's all going to be okay. But I, I couldn't say that. I could just say, God, let them know it'll be okay. That somehow in the future, joy will come. And it did come with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Ben didn't replace Max, but he was um, just that special joy that God told them that I love you. I have my reasons. You won't know them, but just remember I love you. And I knew God was there. I didn't lose my faith. I knew it was there. And at Max's funeral, they played it as well with my soul. I have that above my um, mirror in the bathroom, so I see it every day. And I know it's one of Jennifer's favorite things to say it as well with my soul. While I have the mic, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told Ben this, 
I've told my children over and over that there is nothing in this world that will keep me from loving you. Um, you can disappoint me. You can make me angry. You can make me very sad, but you will never make me not love you. And I want you to know that. Okay. <laughs> All right, Mike. Uh, when you were married, Kathy already had two kids. What was it like being an instant dad? And what were the joys and challenges that came with that? I guess um, <clears throat> some things in my life, I, I just make decisions that this is the way it is, and I go with it. Um, that's kind of the way it was with Jen and Mark. It's like they were my kids almost from about the first or second week. I knew Kathy. Um, and to be honest, I never really thought of them as not my kids. Didn't actually adopt them till for what? Maybe 10 years ago, five years ago, or something like that. Because uh, it didn't change anything. Didn't change the way I thought of them or anything else. Um, But I guess that's about all. I mean, yeah. they've always been my kids. So it kind of says it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I got a question for all you guys that I didn't prepare you for. So this is just off the cuff. <laughs> um, and we'll make this the last, last question. How would you want to be remembered when you're gone? We'll start with Cliff. Go down. Well, I would hope to be remembered as a man who loved the Lord first and loved his people with that same love and devoted his life to serving the people God sent me to work with. And uh, I think that uh, you don't always get to see what you want to see when you work with people. They don't always do what you you would hope they would do, but you you still pray for them, and you still love them, and you still support them. This church has gone through a lot of changes since I first came here. We
We had a lot of a lot of kids here. The high school class was about 35, and uh, the church was much bigger too. So things were different, but it was still the church that belonged to the Lord, and I. I had to learn that to love people unconditionally, that was one of the harder things to learn is unconditional love of God's people. Because people don't always agree with you or do the things that you expect them to do. But if you don't love them and Careful of them, you can't serve them. And so in the years of serving the Lord, I, I'd say that's the biggest lesson I've learned. How about you, Beth? <clears throat> I think I'd like to be remembered as a a faithful wife, a loving um, sister um, in our church family. Um, I especially would like to be known as a very kind and patient person. So the Lord has a little bit to go on that. <laughs> but we're moving in that direction. Okay. Hey, my goodness. Um, I can only tell you what Jesus said, that he wanted us to be light <clears throat> and salt. And um, so I've always wanted that light to shine, remembering that I'm, I'm just the, the lantern, not the light. And that I really love you guys. <laughs> we love you too. Kathy? <clears throat> Um, I'd like people to remember me as somebody that loved them because I love all of you. <laughs> um, a good mom, a good wife, but mostly that yeah, she did know the Lord. And um, I'm with Bev. There are still things that need to be worked on. And I'm sure I'll be working on those things until I die. But um, mostly just that love for the body, love for the Lord. And uh, I'm not always kind. I'd like to be kinder. <laughs> yeah, you know. Anyway. I tell you, Bev, there's no chance anybody's going to remember me for my patience. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my persistence. Mm -hmm. But I guess what I would really like 
remembered by, mostly by my children. And right now I'm pretty happy with my kid. They're all in pretty good spots. Still hoping Sam works out things a little bit. But one thing I'm hoping that they will remember is that my assurance of my faith in God and that even if it seems dark to them sometimes that by my example that they will know that God is there for them and that God loves them and that he does indeed love you so much that he will do whatever he has to do to bring you to him. Well, I feel like we only just scratched the surface of these guys. I don't know if you guys feel that way. Um, but uh, I would encourage you all, if you don't know these people, they're amazing. <laughs> Get to know them. Um, spend time with them. Allow them to pour into you. Um, because, uh, as you can see, God has done amazing things in each one of their lives. And we love all of you guys dearly. Let me pray for us. Lord, um, just thank you so much for... Our time this morning, thank you for um, just the, the treasures that were shared, the wisdom that was shared. Um, it is so, uh, such a privilege to be um, in a body of believers that includes these five. Um, it's just such a privilege. Uh, I pray that this conversation that was started this morning would, uh, would just be the catalyst to more conversations, um, more opportunities for, um, for wisdom to be shared and um, that uh, in, in what was shared this morning and what will be shared uh, in the future, that there would just be a harvest of righteousness that would come from that. Um, thank you that uh, in all of this, we know that it's because of your work uh, in each life that, um, that uh, we could have, even have this conversation this morning. So thank you for being who you are. For this all in your name.